This is the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. Well, we are in the middle of the growing and gardening season, it appears, and uh, Bob Olin joining us here this morning. Morning, Bob. Well, good morning, Dave, and it is a good morning in the Northland, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a warm one today, it sounds like, at least away from Lake Superior. Uh, but once again, not a whole lot of rain. kind of depends upon where you are. I know we got inundated for a while a couple days ago, but not everybody got those rain showers. No, they did not, and it's. Uh, I guess it's kind of signs of the times. I deal with a lot of different people growing, a lot of gardeners, a lot of farmers everywhere throughout the region, and some are just swimming in water. And some of our, this would be more mainly the northern part, they get in the Iron Range and above, and uh, they've just had three or four inches of rain over the last couple of days, and they're uh, worrying about getting hay up and other things. And then others that are so hot and dry, they got beetle problems, grasshopper problems, uh, some of the driest periods they've ever experienced. I know we saw that in parts of Wisconsin, parts of uh, uh, Carleton County, and so forth. So it, it is very highly variable, Dave. Mm-hmm. In that shower we got there in Duluth, it was, uh, I think it was just pretty much localized in this area. So we get these very strong cells that tend to emerge this time of year. So water's always an issue with everyone, either too much or not quite enough. And uh, <laughs> we're seeing both this year. But overall, I guess, on average, uh, really a pretty, pretty good growing season here. Some of those storms uh, dump some hail and pretty significant sized hail, too, in some areas. I imagine that can be pretty damaging to crops and flowers can be very devastating and uh, uh, my personal experience is a few years ago now but I did have a major uh, planting of tomatoes in and uh, hailed out and I thought I could bring them back and uh, my advice unfortunately if you lost a lot of crop the growing tips are gone on a annual vegetable crop like tomatoes I would just start over I tried to nurse those plants back and uh, (laughs) quite frankly I would have been better off just uh, uh, eating a bullet, so to speak, and uh, and getting a, another crop planted for coming into the fall. All right. Well, I, I imagine a lot of uh, harvesting is going on already from the from the early plantings. Well, yeah, you know that's that's what's been kind of remarkable. And water was the key. We had this base of moisture down there, which has been a little bit of a salvation for most people. You know, we had that. Uh, very, very snowy winter. Then we went very dry in, in May and June. And now it depends on where you are. Uh, we're getting a lot of moisture in July. July, typically our driest month. June, our moistest month. We flip-flopped in a couple of uh, a couple of those months. Very dry in May and June and, and some moisture for a lot of lucky folks in the, in the month of July. So uh, I don't think you could depend on uh, statistics or predictions. I think we're going to have to live with whatever we got, Dave. You know that? Yeah, that's for sure. It's the way it usually works. Yeah, but a lot of the uh, warm season crops, if the moisture was there, it's it's rather remarkable. I mean, we're bringing in garlic. I've never had garlic this early. I, I bring in some, uh, well, snap beans, and we're bringing in uh, a, a lot of uh, summer squash, of course, and the, the fall squash are coming along real nicely, and we're seeing cucumbers and other things that are, are at least a couple of weeks early. So this is uh, pretty good for our farm markets uh Water was the key there. If you had water, some irrigation water source, uh, things are coming along very nicely. And actually, very little disease. It's very interesting when you get these kind of weather patterns. They tend to dictate uh, some issues you're going to have in your garden. 
Um, moisture areas, I'm frankly seeing a lot of root rot. Hard to believe, but on heavier soils a little farther north, we're seeing uh, peas that are going down early. We always have some pea wilt that comes. Uh, the, the, the root systems, uh, when it's moist, just can't take that. The heat moisture and they begin to die down. We're seeing that where it's real moist. Uh, areas where it's dry, we're seeing very little foliar disease. And, and actually, some of the Fungal disease is one of our biggest nemesis in this area. We typically have moisture and high humidity and causes early blight, late blight on, on potatoes and on eggplant and, and tomatoes, of course. And uh, this year, those plants look really very nice and clean that are standing high and dry. So uh, on on you net on net, I think we've got a good growing season where we might have some problems with insects we haven't had in the past because it's been warm and dry. Uh, we don't have the, the disease pressure we've had in previous years. So it's quite a mix throughout the region. Everyone's got uh, their own circumstances. You know, I've learned over the years, try to diversify your crops, try to diversify your timing. Uh, when you plant those crops, uh, try to diversify your locations if you can, because I'll tell you, you'd never know what's going to come in your individual situation. Even if the weather forecasts are relatively accurate, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get X amount of rain or you're going to be uh, have high humidity, low humidity. It's, it's really quite variable. And I think with all the discussion on uh, climate change that uh, this is a pattern that's going to continue. But overall, on the whole, we're getting enough moisture, and on the whole, uh, we're getting some really pretty good crops that are coming in, Dave. Speaking of uh, insects, a couple of weeks ago we had a caller talking about the uh, forest tent caterpillars and the fact that uh, they had a few of them, I guess, that they saw, but we never got another uh, infestation that appears around here. That is one of the more remarkable things, and I'm not a forest ecologist or forest ecologist, <laughs> right. but... Uh, this is one that is quite puzzling because we typically have got about a seven, eight-year cycle, and right. we, have not, we have not seen that. And nobody's complaining, of course. We've no. had a few. I've seen a few. But uh, the populations have never really built. And uh, that, of course, is a great relief because uh, they could take down all of our aspen pretty quickly and make kind of a mess out of things. So that's one Real blessed thing. I would like uh, someone to give me an explanation. You know, nature is going to run its own course. It's kind of interesting. Uh, as humans, we think we control everything till Mother Nature kind of uh, humbles us. And in this case, Mother Nature had apparently another plan. I'm intrigued by that. I don't know exactly why this cycle is not repeated, because it's been here as long as Aston's been here. That's a lot longer than you or me, Dave. Mm -hmm. And uh, for some reason, that cycle has not repeated and uh, we're very fortunate that way, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah, the people and the trees are very thankful for that. And yes. uh, we'll take a break and be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show here on a Tuesday morning from KDAL. Well, Bob, all those uh, annual flowers in the flower boxes seem to be growing pretty well. Uh, the question yeah. I have is, are you supposed to take off the dead blooms? You definitely want to take off okay. the dead blooms. We, uh, we have a term for that called deadheading. Mm-hmm. And you want to trim them up, and if you've got a nice hanging basket, if you want to give it a haircut, prune rather aggressively. Really? Uh, we usually like to do that a little earlier in July, but there's plenty of seasons, so you can get in there, you can prune those up, and uh, they'll come back and reflower for you. So, oh. but, but many of them, it's not necessary. We've got some great uh, long-standing blooms on so many. There have been so many uh, real innovations. The breeders have done a nice job. We're seeing some glorious hanging baskets. You know, Dave, I'm glad you mentioned the, the color of the flowers. People have to take oh. a step back. They're magnificent right now. Uh, we've got these long days. We've got warmer temperatures. We've got cool nights. We've had this kind of a combination where the evening temperatures dropped into the 50s, 40s some places, and day temperatures have 
up to this week or what's coming here, they've been very yeah. moderate. They've been about low 70s, and this is just ideal during the day, producing a lot of sugar. And from those sugars, we, we get these magnificent pigments, we get the colors, and then we don't fade them out all at night when the temperatures drop. The advantage we have over places a little farther south is you get down in even uh, Hinkley and farther south where it's considerably warmer, particularly in those evening temperatures. They burn out a lot of their color. they got nice color in their flowers, but nothing like what we can produce here uh, this far north. So we really want to take advantage of, uh, of some of those things. Uh, you might want to think so much interest in pollinators, and I'm working with uh, a couple of places right now, helping them uh, plan out some of uh, a pollinator garden. A lot of interest, which is fantastic. Uh, obviously, uh, some of the uh, pollinating insects, the uh, the native bees in particular, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of attention to their diminishing numbers. They're so important uh, for our food supply, uh, as well as pollinating flowers and other things. And uh, the homeowner has kind of taken over suburban small acreages and trying to leave areas a little wilder, and they've, they've shown a real interest. It's been quite a change. So um, maybe some people would like to get started in. Uh, take a little look at the landscapes right now, if there's something that's really magnificent. Uh, I, was, I have actually stopped uh, when I see a beautiful landscape and talk with homeowners. Many cases, they're so pleased that you've paid attention, and they're so... <laughs> You know, flower people and gardener people tend to be very, very friendly and very, very free with their advice. So if you see something you really like, stop, stop with a combination. You can see them on display right now. And then you might want to think just a little bit about uh, your fall planting. We have a couple of uh, perennials, of course, that we really like to move almost exclusively in the fall. Iris comes to mind. Peonies come to mind. Uh, both magnificent uh, perennials for our landscapes. We're going to be planting these uh, toward the end of August, early September, not any later, because we want to get them established. But now would be the time uh, to start thinking a little bit about lining up some of your plants. So once again, if you want to take a little look at a pollinator garden, and you know you're you're helping out, and I have uh, I've seen a lot of uh, monarchs. You know that's the the one butterfly that comes to people's attention. Uh, this hot dry weather that's produced uh, milkweed just seems like it's blooming everywhere and looks magnificent. You know I've uh, learned a little something. It's the migratory monarchs that are really having trouble, and part of that is because of industrialization and uh, deforestation down in Mexico and other places. But our local uh, monarchs, now we've got migratory monarchs, but local monarchs down in Florida in places with a little warmer, I guess that population is very secure and very substantial, which is good news anytime you can get a little bit of good news. But we, of course, uh, would like to do our share on our end. Uh, this is the home, the, destiny, the final destination for a lot of monarchs. So, um, you know, obviously uh, the one that comes to mind is milkweed, both uh, swamp milkweed, which is kind of a misnomer, uh, a little different shaped flower, uh, doesn't really like it wet, uh, will tolerate a little bit more moisture, but hot and dry is what uh, so many of these uh, milkweed plants really like, and uh, we don't like to transplant them, of course, uh, we're going to be starting those from seed, but there's a lot of, you can collect some seed right now and, and get ready to, to uh, plant them uh, next year. And uh, you're good to go that way. But uh, certainly milkweed, uh, favorite, but uh, not the only thing that uh, monarchs love. Yarrow is another one that likes it hot and dry. We've got a lot of beautiful yarrow uh, species out there. They were one time just pretty much white, as Oak saw. Now we're seeing pinks, and the breeders are doing a marvelous job with some of these perennials. So there's, there's lots of color out there. Uh, you do want to think a little bit uh, about, uh, you know, where you're going to establish your, your pollinator garden. You want to think a little bit about uh, a protected location. 
you know, without the real heavy winds, if that's at all possible. You, For some plants, you want full sun. Most flowering plants are going to require at least five or six hours of sun a, a day. So the shady areas, you know, we've got a lot of shade plants, shade-tolerant plants. Hosta comes to mind and all the variability there. But the flowers are diminutive there and, and don't really do a lot for our pollinators. So it's the sunny areas that you really want to focus on. Uh, you want to think a little bit about leaving an area undisturbed where the native bees can overwinter. So many of them overwinter down in the soil or they overwinter in uh, dead flower stalks. We'll call it garden debris that's on the surface. So you might want to leave an area that's undisturbed. Uh, you want to, don't want to cultivate everything, but then you want to backfill in some areas with some of this uh, real good color. It's a great time to be doing some planting. We're coming in as soon as we maybe as soon as we get rid of this heat wave. That's not an ideal time to be transplanting much of anything. Uh, it's time maybe just to kick back or relax and get the watering can out there in some cases. But uh, you want to think a little bit about coming in early fall planting when we look at about. Mid-August, it's really a great time to put a lot of things in the ground, and it uh, just happens a lot of our local uh, nurseries, greenhouses have got perennials that they'd rather not overwinter, so they're running some pretty nice sales. So it's everyone thinks about planting in the spring, and actually we're coming into early fall. We don't want to go too late. We want to get them established. But um, early fall is a great time, so if you've had a desire to uh, add some beauty to your landscape as well as helping our native uh, pollinator populations uh, give it a little bit of thought right now and, and it's good to purchase a, a number of plants for sure. You know, pollinators uh, don't necessarily have to be insects. I notice the hummingbirds are out and about here too. I guess they do their thing as well, don't they? They do their thing. I think it's pollinating insects yeah. we, we kind of focus on, but certainly uh, uh, birds and, and other uh uh, anything that moves the pollen around uh, can actually be uh, be helpful, certainly. And actually, wind is a uh, wind is a pollinator as well to some extent, moving some pollen around. So it's all part of this natural process, and uh, it's it's kind of remarkable because these uh, you know this cross pollination. People worry about this term hybridization when it comes to plants. They don't want hybrids for some reason. They want to go back to the uh, to the heirlooms, but nature has been hybridizing forever. That's just moving <laughs> plant for pollen from one plant to another, and and that kind of accounts for this great deal of variability. The natural world is so spectacular, um, and we want to just encourage people here in the month of July to get out there and just sit back and appreciate it. Uh, you know, we've got technicolor screens and screens everywhere these days. Take a step outside. I think that's healthier for certainly for all of us to be out there and think about opening up an area that you're going to put in uh, some pollinating plants and very compatible with your vegetable garden as well. And uh, again, veggies are coming along nicely. Uh, we're uh, we got great onions. I mentioned some of the other crops that are coming along real nicely. Everything uh, from beets to carrots. People had a little trouble, myself included, uh, direct seeding carrots this year. I've heard that complaint uh, many, many times. Uh, what did I do wrong? And that's so much re uh, related to the moisture levels we had. If you were hot and dry in May and June, when we typically would be direct seeding some of these things out. Uh, that was the problem. And uh, just yesterday, uh, three people uh, inquired about what happened to their carrot crop. Carrots might be a little short supply this year because uh, uh, nation was uh, was pretty difficult. Very fine seed, goes in very shallow, you know, a quarter of an inch. And the problem is you need a little dusting of uh, rain, and those uh, seeds tend to germinate. They break germination. you got a very small uh, seedling there, very small, hasn't even emerged from the soil. 
and then that upper quarter inch gets very dry, and unfortunately that terminates the seed. So a couple quick tips to think about in the future. I think you might, if you have a lighter soil, consider planting a little deeper, maybe three-eighths of an inch rather than a quarter of an inch. You can't go too deep because it's a small small seed, and it's got to take all the energy in that seed to get out of the soil before it can get into the sunlight. A little deeper where there's a little more moisture doesn't dry out quite as fast. And then I think uh, keeping that seed bed moist, if you can, on a daily basis with a light spray of moisture. And then uh, I think really covering as well. Uh, you can you can go and uh, cover with a, a ground sphagnum peat moss, uh, certainly with a compost that works out real nicely. You don't want a real thick layer on there, but you want something just to retain the moisture. And then the other thing, and this has intrigued me because I had so many uh, uh, concerns from various people this year, I think maybe that first watering, if you're going to come over the top, we don't get rain, you've seeded, uh, let's let's make that a very thorough watering, not just wetting the soil a quarter of an inch, let's drive that moisture down maybe a half inch. Typically, uh, we like to seed frequently and, and water frequently, but I think we really want that uh, we want those very small, tender seedlings to chase that moisture down. I think that's a uh, a good rule of thumb. Whether you're watering your lawn or whether you're watering your uh, your broccoli plants out there, let's not encourage those roots to come up to the surface. If you're going to water, uh, let's water very thoroughly so that that uh, that moisture profile works its way down, and we can get those roots established. There's more stable water supply the deeper we get into the. Uh, soil profile water thoroughly infrequently but thoroughly and uh don't hesitate right now fruit is setting up you got green beans you got the snap peas you've got the coal crops coming along and uh, they may look real good but if you're dry uh, you want to get some water to them ideally in the morning at the base of the plant and uh, drive that down because as this fruit begins to form uh, it's going to require additional moisture so even if the plant looks good and it stays dry, I think uh, I would be getting some additional water to them. Bob, let's uh, head to the phone here quickly, 938 this morning. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Pat from South Range. Go ahead, Pat. Hello, Pat. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm doing Hello, good, Bob. I was just I, I was going to tell you, it's so great you're talking about the Monarchs today because I gave over a, like a 4 by 8 bed to, to uh, Milkweed a few years ago. And we've had we've counted up to twenty five caterpillars out there this spring, and this morning now we have one of them going into his jay to start making a chrysalis. So it's just oh, fantastic. It's so much fun watching them. Isn't it, isn't it fun? And uh, you kind of know you're helping out the situation. And Pat, uh, uh, I think you'd agree that uh, this thing called nature in the natural world is so incredible. I I think more oh. people would be better off just sitting back and appreciate. I think we'd be healthier as a nation if everybody did that. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, yes. But I just wanted to say thanks for encouraging people to start planting milkweed. It's just yeah. a great, great thing. I think it is really uh, you know, shady or wet. We want to stay away from that. But if you got good sun and good drainage, it's fantastic. Could you tell me, Pat, how's your moisture level been over there? You were talking about, uh, you know, oh. sometimes we get a Lake Superior effect. Have you been hot and dry? Yes, yes, hot and dry, and like I say, the storms start to come, and when they hit Lake Superior, they split, and the storms just miss us. So, and can you tell dry. us uh, what experience you've had? I think you have a vegetable garden, do you not? Yes, and we're and watering like your, crazy. What has your experience <laughs> been? That everything's growing like crazy? 
Uh, yeah, but we're watering. We're doing a lot of watering and stuff. But we've we've noticed we our crops are pretty good. You know, our zucchini is coming now, and yeah, it's looking good. That's good. That's good. Right. Very good to hear. Thank you for your comment and your call. Okay, thanks, Bob. Thanks, Pat. Nine forty now, KDAO. Take a break, Bob, and be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show coming up. And we are back, more of the Bob Olin Show. Bob, we've had a hot and dry summer for the most part, but nothing like the folks in Phoenix, where they have a days above 110 has now been extended to 25 in a row. 25 straight days where it's 110 or more in Phoenix. My goodness, what can grow in that kind of weather? Well, uh, <laughs> Besides much. cacti, yeah, maybe. Say, uh, yeah, I think a little bit about that. You know, it's interesting in the southwest, because they've had irrigation water, they've been able to sure. grow some tremendous alfalfa crops, uh, but these extreme temperatures and the, the need for water and moisture, it's going to be more critical uh, going forward. So, you know, we came off this rather brutal winter, which is the flip side of it, uh, had this conversation with someone that was coming from the south on a beautiful day in Duluth, and there was a nice evening and uh, maybe about 65, 70. He said, boy, is the weather this good all the time? And, you know, you could just kind of chuckle. But, uh, the, you know, this term of climate refugees, we've been here a long time. We kind of chuckle about our climate, but nonetheless, I think uh, at this time, we really have to appreciate it. So everyone's got to get out there and suck it up because it's just absolutely wonderful at this time. Yeah, I'd hate to be uh, 90 degrees for a low and 110 for a high every day. Oof. Boy, that, that's pretty brutal, and there doesn't seem to be much uh, no. much relief in sight for them as well. So it may be the, maybe the sign of our times, and again, we're, we are very fortunate uh, what we've got and uh, the fact that uh, we have gotten rain. It's been a little irregular, but nonetheless, uh, throughout the area, corn, corn has been pretty good to major. Yeah crop a little farther south uh, very dry around around the cities but we get down in Iowa and Illinois I see some of the uh, harvest forecasts are pretty strong so once again uh, we're fortunate to have this big diversified uh, continental country where we've got moisture coming down somewhere so uh, yeah. the other countries are not quite that fortunate so we're pretty lucky. If you lost your carrots early on is it uh, getting too late to plant more at this point? <laughs> Well, on carrots, I would say it's probably getting a little bit uh, on, on the late side uh, right there. They, they're they a very slow-growing crop, no. so you might have to just wait. There are other things, certainly. Well, they, you might uh, be able to use them as baby carrots. <laughs> you might, yes. Yeah, right. uh, it might is the word there, because uh, you're going to have to get going pretty quickly on those right. right now. But, uh, you know, uh, as I pointed out, there are other crops. We're coming into a cooler period. Don't hesitate mm-hmm. to seed uh uh, certainly spinach for green, I think, uh, go ahead and seed them out. Keep, keep water to them. They're, again, a small seed, so you're going to have to get them going. They don't like it warm. I, I wouldn't do uh, too much here in this uh, next couple of days, but maybe by the time we get to the weekend, then I'd be getting a little bit more aggressive. But certainly all the salad greens, uh, you can you can certainly plant many, many things, the leafy greens. If you like collards and other things, uh, you can get these things going, and uh, they can be real nice. Uh, you can probably get some baby bree- uh, beets. The nice thing about beets is you can certainly eat the uh, greens as well, so even if you don't get a real large root. So those certainly uh, we could seed for fall crop. Uh, you might be able to even get a few uh, peas in the ground if you like. These edible potted peas are so delicious, and uh, there's new major innovation that's come along. At one time, they were just shell peas, and that boy, that took a lot of time to shell. But now we've got uh, the edible potted peas that are so nice, and they prefer the, the cooler temperatures in the fall. But you can't be misled that the downside about fall is, is that the light levels tend to go down, and light is the driver, so it takes more time. 
So you say, well, I've got a lot of time until frost. I would still, if you want a late-season garden and want to get some salad greens going, I'd get them going pronto because it will take them a little bit longer. But once again, the quality is is high. And you avoid some of the insect issues. You know, we've got this, uh, we've had this insect problem this year because it's been hot and dry and the winter was very uh, conducive to uh, any insect that spends its life cycle down in the soil, good protective layer, no frost that killed them. So uh, there have been some real insect issues. We avoid a lot of those when we come into the fall of the year. So there are some reasons to think a little bit about uh, that fall season as well as the spring season, Dave. And you always got uh, time to plant more grass seed. I guess that's good right up until the fall, right? Well, yeah, in terms of grass and, and areas, and uh, we do have some areas, and I've I've seen them where it got so hot and dry that they're going to have to do some reseeding. Uh-huh. Uh, we really like to seed again, maybe starting about August 15th. There, if you're going to come from seed, we'd like to get it wrapped up, if you can, by mid-September uh, so that that seedling has a chance to get established uh, in the event that we get a, an open winter without a lot of snow. If we get lucky, you could probably seed right up till the end of the year if uh, if we had a snow blanket to cover it. But if you seed too late, you got a very tender seeding seeding that's germinated. So I, I would say seeding. Let's take a look at uh, as soon as we dry down or as soon as we get past this real hot spell, uh, maybe coming into August uh, through mid-September. And if you've got areas where you're pretty disappointed that drought got to them, and uh, sometimes uh, you know these perennial grasses tend to fill in, but it can take a long time. So overseeding, I know areas where they're really concerned about turf overseeding or, or interseeding with an existing lawn uh, is done very, very frequently uh, to fill that lawn up a little bit. So even if it's light, uh, think a little bit about seeding and line up your grass seed a little early for that because we, again, want the uh, continuous moisture that we talked about there, Dave. All right, we'll take another break, Bob. 9.48 now. It's the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. It's the Bob Olin Show, brought to you by Dan's Garden Center, located inside Dan's Feed Bin on Hammond Avenue in Superior, and by Matilda's Dog Bakery and Pet Nutrition Center in Lakeside, across from the Lake Walk. Get your questions in now by calling 218-722-0839. All right, Bob, I am guessing if uh, you do not have a garden and are not a gardener, but just, uh, would like some fresh vegetables, there's always the farmer's markets, and they got to be overflowing with stuff by about now. Yeah, the farmers markets uh, throughout the region are, are really great. Uh, things are really beginning to come in, and you know, it gets better week after week as we come along. And uh, yeah, they uh, a lot of our farmers uh, they make every effort possible to uh, to bring product to. You. So I know they've been, as Pat said, they've been watering a lot. They've had to <laughs> irrigate. We use trickle irrigation and other things, uh, but we don't expect. Uh, these hot, dry con- uh, conditions to continue. But as I mentioned, uh, we're seeing some things coming in relatively earlier this year. So uh, uh, all the markets should be good. They're going to be good now on uh, certainly well into September. So things are coming along real nicely. You know, there's the Duluth Farmer's Market. That's 14th Avenue East and 3rd Street. And that was the original farmer's market. You know, it's kind of interesting. There's a lot of talk about local food right now. And at one right. time, it all was local, of course. And... Uh, the original, uh, 1908, the Phillips Farmers Market original building built by the farmers and uh, re-roofed and restructured and moved and everything else. But it's kind of interesting. It's almost become a historic uh, building. Uh, but that's uh, 14th Avenue, East and 3rd Street. And uh, there are a number of uh, growers down there. They've got all, uh, an assortment of products. Everybody kind of uh, does what works best for them. So a lot of folks have got green Swiss chard and 
a lot of real interesting uh, crops that they love to grow, and then others kind of focus on some of the warm season crops. So it's always kind of an interesting mix, and it's a community event, too. That's what's uh, really nice. Uh, you get to meet a lot of friends, and uh, it is a very... Uh, family-friendly environment. We've insisted on music uh, every Saturday for sure, some great volunteer musicians, and it's just a a fun place to spend the morning. Nice little token for the kids, an event that we started to do down at the Ruth Farmer's Market. Every uh, child uh, that's from infancy through age 18 can get a $2 token that they can spend on produce at any one of the stands. Uh, Bring them all in. Every time you come, you get another token. So uh, trying to encourage a little better eating on younger people, a little better shopping, and uh, we're seeing a great response to that. So family-friendly, and we've got uh, clientele and customers of all ages, certainly. It's a good time for sure. What uh, veggies are the favorites of the kids, by the way? What do they use their tokens on mostly? You know, they they really like uh, they like they like the cukes and they like ah. these pickling cukes. They like the um, uh, a lot of the snap peas. Anything that they can just munch on is what they really prefer. And uh, right. of course, I like tomatoes. We are just a little early for tomatoes. Right. Hate to dash your your hopes there. We're a little early there, but. Uh, Nonetheless, because we're local market and producing locally, but they'll be here soon. And then the cherry tomatoes get big-time favorite for the kids, for sure. How is your corn doing, uh, Bob? <laughs> well, our corn, uh, believe it or not, is coming along <laughs> pretty right. nicely. So I never, I always hold my breath because it's a challenging crop. There's always challenges that come along with that crop every year this far <laughs> north. But uh, so far, so good. All right. Very good to hear. Hey, Bob, is anything else you want to hit this morning? Well, I just want to encourage people to think a little bit about, uh, you know, we had some interesting calls today on the pollinators. Think a little bit about uh, planning going forward. It's a great time to put together a little bit of a plan for the fall. Take some notes and what worked and what didn't work, what you'd like to improve on. And then uh, think a little bit about uh, planting some of those pollinators. As I say, I've uh, I've known a number of greenhouses lately, and there's some pretty nice perennial sales. It's a challenge for uh a retailer like that and a grower to bring them through the winter so they really want to put them in your hands where you can put them in the ground so i think it'd be a good idea a little bit of planning take a few notes and then uh the big thing is get out there and just enjoy this marvelous month of uh, july it is spectacular and enjoy the the lovely weather even when it peaks out at 90 and we're sweltering down compared to the rest of the u.s i think we're in pretty good shape so it's always fun. We appreciate all of our listeners, all the great comments. We get a lot of good ideas from folks. So it's a great hobby. Get out there and just enjoy the beauty of the area. Bob, you mentioned uh, the month of July, and by the time we meet again next Tuesday, it will be August already. That is even hard for me to believe. <laughs> you remind me of some things I'd rather not hear. Yeah, I know. The summer is flying by, isn't it? That's it for sure. It is going by very, very fast. Yes, indeed. So well, enjoy. Bob, thanks, and we'll catch you again next Tuesday, the 1st of August. Have a good rest of the week. Thank you, Dave. The Bob Olin Show has been brought to you by Dan's Garden Center, located inside Dan's Feed Bin on Hammond Avenue in Superior, and by Matilda's Dog Bakery and Pet Nutrition Center in Lakeside across from the Lake Walk. News, weather, sports, 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL.